Hey, Razorback fans, welcome to the Hogbeat Hour, brought to you by Hogbeat.com, the Arkansas site and the Rivals Network. I'm Nikki Chavanel, managing editor here with Andrew Hutchinson, our lead team reporter. Hutch, it's Tennessee week. Woo! Uh, haven't played the Bulls in a very long time. Um, it's probably one of the opponents that Arkansas fans are least familiar with, as are, as are we, although Arkansas does go up against the Bulls in recruiting. Uh, quite a bit, and they have the past few years, um, not so much under the Sam Pittman era, but uh, the game kicks off at 6.30 p.m. on the SEC Network. The Hogs are just getting fantastic time slots, um, although I don't know. I don't know if I like staying up so late after games. I mean, these 6.30 games are are great for fans. I know. I totally get it, Uh, although it probably doesn't have as many advantages this year without tailgating, but uh, you know, for me personally, I mean, I'm pretty sure I was up until about 2.30, 3 a.m. last last weekend, whenever they played a late game. So uh, late nights for us. Uh, but the fans, I mean, they probably enjoy it because at least, you know, if you, you know, win or lose, if you lose, at least like you don't lose at, you know, 2 p.m. and then you have to just think about that for the rest of the day at least you can go to bed <laughs> and then if you win you can go out and, and party and have fun and you can watch games all day leading up to the game so that's a that's another advantage yeah um so it feels like this week has just been i mean i know on hogbeat.com we allowed a little bit of election talk on our like it's called the Grim Bottom. It's where all off-topic discussions though go that are a little bit, uh, you know, inappropriate for the Razorback message board. Um, so the hype hasn't been, you know, on this game as much as we know there's a, a national game happening in terms of uh, the election. But, you know, it's a very important game for Arkansas, like a, a turning point uh, for both Arkansas and Tennessee at this point in the season. We're halfway through. Both teams are two and three. Um, Tennessee has lost their last three games after beating South Carolina to start the season and then also beating uh, Missouri more handedly than they beat South Carolina. And then what? They had losses to um, Georgia, Kentucky, and Alabama. Um, they have struggled to put up a lot of points. Their highest um, score so far this season was against South Carolina to start um, 31 to 27. Um, and, you know, it's looking like Arkansas is ready, um, you know, to make it 500 again, in my opinion. Like, I think this is the perfect moment for them. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look in Vegas, I think it's it's almost a toss up. I think Tennessee is favored by you know one or two points, something like that. It's kind of gone back and forth throughout the week. Uh, you know, ESPN FPI actually favors Arkansas slightly. You know, gave them like a fifty two or fifty three percent chance. Uh, so I mean, yeah, it, it is shaping up to be a close game. And and you mentioned this is a team Arkansas fans aren't really familiar with. That's just because recently they haven't played a lot. Back in the day. Arkansas and Tennessee played every year. Uh, you know, there were some classic matchups, you know, against Peyton Manning. Uh, everyone remembers the, the heartbreaking game in 98 with Clint Sterner's fumble, but then the redemption game in 99. You know, before that, you go back to, I think it was 92, Barry Lunny Jr.'s first start. Arkansas goes into Knoxville and, and beats the number four volunteers. Uh, you had a couple of bowl game matchups even before Arkansas was in the SEC that were 
classic games that uh, went in favor of Tennessee, uh, one of which I think Arkansas fans are still going to argue was on the officials. Uh, and then uh, the, the six overtime game in 2002 comes into mind. Even the most recent time they played in 2015, Arkansas got down 14 nothing really quick at Neyland Stadium, but managed to come back and win 24 to 20. So submit some pretty classic games in this series. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another one on Saturday. Um, Jeremy Pruitt, his tenure didn't get off to the hottest start at Tennessee, but last season uh, they managed to turn things around after a bad start. Um, who did they lose to? Was it like Georgia State, Georgia I believe, State? Yeah. BYU maybe? Yeah, something like that. Um, it was It was almost like comical because, you know, we were going through a similar just – total mess over here but then Tennessee managed to completely turn it around and finish their season with six wins and a a bowl win I think over Indiana Um, and then you know their momentum continued building into this season uh, but they just haven't been able to compete in the tougher games and even against Kentucky they only put up seven points so their offense hasn't exactly been firing um, at a high level, um, Jared Garantano, I think he's like 13th, um, according to pro football focus among the sec quarterbacks this season, um, averaging 61.5% completions, um, only six touchdowns through the air and, and three interceptions. He's been sacked 11 times. Um, their real, um, offensive, you know, weapon, I think is on in the ground game, uh, with Eric Gray and Ty Chandler, uh, neither of them are averaging like 100 yards per game, but they both are averaging over four yards a carry. So if they get going, you know, it might be hard to stop. Um, so that is definitely, I think, the biggest concern. And we've seen Arkansas uh, not be super stable in the run defense so far this season. Yeah, I mean, and a big, big reason for those guys' success is that offensive line that Tennessee has. I mean, right. those, those guys are, are, were highly touted. I think, you know, most of them were like five-star recruits in, you know, certain services. Uh, I don't know how many of them were on rivals, but if you look at the various services, a lot of five-star talent. Trey Smith is a legitimate first-round draft pick at left guard, a guy that uh, Sam Pittman tried recruiting at Georgia. Uh, and, and, of course, they've got Cade Mays, who actually played for Sam Pittman at Georgia before transferring to, to Tennessee. Uh, so just a, a lot of really talented offensive linemen that are going to open up holes. But as you mentioned, they haven't been as great in pass protection. I mean, they've given up a lot of sacks to Garantano. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see if Arkansas can maybe get some pressure. I don't think they're quite as good. You know, before the season, everyone thought Tennessee was going to have the best offensive line in the SEC, maybe even in the country. Uh, hasn't quite lived up to those standards. I don't think they're as good as the Texas A&M line that we saw last week, which was just absolutely amazing. Uh, so we'll see if they can get some pressure on Jarrett and uh, maybe cause him to, to make some mistakes, which he's shown he's, he's prone, to be, uh, prone to do. Um, as far as receiving goes, um, they have four guys with over 100 yards receiving, but one of them is Eric Gray. So they, they throw it to him a little bit. Um, in the passing game. And then you have Josh Palm, Josh Palmer, um, Brandon Johnson, and Jane Hyatt. Um, 
there's not really a tight, like their tight end has three catches. So I'm assuming he's much more of a blocking tight end. Uh, so at least you don't have to worry about mismatch like, like last week against A&M. That was, um, I don't know. It just seemed like an element they weren't fully prepared for. I mean, that guy was just good too. I mean, that, that, that helped. And I mean, you have a, it was a, a veteran team at A&M. I mean, you had a veteran offensive line, a veteran quarterback, who was able to just sit back there and pick apart Arkansas' zone. Uh, so you would like to think that Arkansas will be better against Tennessee. They do have, you know, veteran guys, you know, on the offensive line and at quarterback. I mean, I think he's a fifth-year senior or something like that. Uh, so I don't know. I, I feel like it's a better matchup for Arkansas, but, uh, you know, we, we won't find out until they, they line up on Saturday. Um, and then defensively, they, I wrote this in my 10 thoughts from the weekend. Um, they actually have been giving up more yards on the ground defensively as the season has progressed. And yes, they have had, you know, Georgia and Alabama um, in the past three games. So, you know, that's a little understandable, but it's also at a time when Arkansas is, you know, finally surging a bit in their run game. So I'm wondering, you know, if that helps offset what Tennessee might do to Arkansas's defense in the run game. Yeah, I think Arkansas, I mean, what, what they did against Texas A&M was a very encouraging sign to put up 222 yards, get Rakeem Boyd going. I mean, he looked like Rakeem Boyd. That was huge for Arkansas. And I think they're going to continue to keep doing that. I think they're going to build off of that. Uh, and, and really get things going. And, you know, it might be a little bit harder against, you know, an Alabama later in the season. Uh, but I think this is a, a team that they could, you know, be effective on the ground and through the air, have a nice little balanced attack, uh, you know, maybe get Traylon Smith going a little bit. But it also depends if, if Felipe Franks is going to run for 91 yards again, then uh, you really, if you can get hit them with Felipe and, and Rakeem, that, that's a pretty good a uh, pretty good combination and, and just however you can get the yards on the ground uh, that that would be that would be great because they didn't get that the first few weeks of the season let's talk about Felipe Franks um, he is playing very very well in my opinion like he's playing at the level he was playing at in 2018 prior to his injury at Florida uh, when he took the team to I think it was a peach bowl uh, I think that's it um, and I think he's exactly what Arkansas has needed, uh, these past few years. Like, no, he's not in Heisman contention or making like, actually he has some, has some, some pretty incredible throws actually down the sidelines and stuff. So uh, a little bit credit there, but like, he's not just like blowing the game open or anything by himself. Uh, but he's just been a steady leader and it seems like his teammates really, really, enjoy playing for him um I think Hudson Henry had a good quote about him this week yeah I mean Hudson said that you know, he's the kind of guy that you'd want to go uh to fight fight for him any day of the week because he'd fight for you and I think that's really what Arkansas needed was just a steady hand back there uh you know I thought that it would be a great addition for Arkansas if he was just you know simply adequate or average uh but he's actually been above average I mean I don't think he's all SEC by any means uh, but he has been very good. I mean, if you just look at the numbers he's put up, like I did that earlier this week, I looked at his numbers through five games. And if you just doubled them, you know, to get them through to the rest of the season, 
uh, he would have a, a top 10 season in school history in terms of, you know, passing yards. It, it would be the second best completion percentage in school history. Uh, touchdowns would be top 10, all while throwing only, you know, he's got three right now, but six interceptions if you double it. That's pretty daggum good, especially when you consider it's against 10 SEC teams and you have no you know, non-conference opponents to really pad your stats with. Folks have been focused on the fact that, you know, he does take a little while to make decisions, especially, you know, when, when it's, you know, he's waiting for his guys to get open, um, but the pressure is definitely coming and he should probably throw the ball away. He's taking more hits than Sam Pittman would like him to be taking, but he's not making the mistakes that he was making at the beginning of the season. Cause at the beginning of the season, he did try to squeeze things in uh, where it was just too close. Like, um, the Mike Woods um, interception, if you remember which one I'm talking about down uh, in the, in their own end zone area. Um, but he's not making those mistakes. And I think especially against Tennessee where uh, I think the offenses are probably like roughly evenly matched. I know that uh, Tennessee isn't doing that well, but you know, Arkansas it still struggles. Um, and they struggled a bit more in, in the red zone um, last week. So I still don't have just a ton of faith that they can, uh, you know, string consecutive drives together more than a couple. So uh, not making mistakes is going to be crucial. And then whoever does um, between the two quarterbacks, I think might make a big difference. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned, you know, the throw the, against Georgia where he's you know trying to force something and, you know, two of his interceptions were in that game against Georgia. Since then, he's only had one, and that really wasn't even his fault. It was a pass that I believe it was Davion Warren uh, tipped it up into the air, and it fell right into an Ole Miss player's arms for just an easy interception. So can't really put that on, on Felipe. Other than that, I mean, he has been really smart with the ball in terms of throwing. You would like to see him throw the ball away a little bit more. It's sometimes maddening to watch, uh, but, you know, at least he's not – throwing it to the other team. Uh, but, yeah, I think Arkansas, the, the offenses maybe are comparable. I would say Arkansas's offense is a little bit better, but I think the biggest thing is that Arkansas's offense seems to be on a trajectory up, whereas the Tennessee offense seems to be trajectory uh, downward. Uh, the, just the, it doesn't seem like they're on the same kind of paths. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, obviously the teams that Tennessee has played the last few games have had a something to do with that Georgia and Alabama obviously and Kentucky has a pretty good defense too uh whereas Arkansas you know they've maybe not had as tough as opponents uh, defensively but they have seemed to be showing like they're they're picking up on the Kendall Brow system you know they didn't get to go through spring ball uh, it's been a weird off season uh, so I, I I feel like this is the kind of offense that's going to just kind of steadily get better each week it may not blow your socks off uh, but it will get steadily better as the year goes on. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt said that, you know, the Vols might have a little advantage coming off um, a bye week and where they could, um, you know, have a Sunday practice. Although Arkansas did end up, I think, practicing a little bit on Sunday since neither team could practice on Tuesday. Uh, but I don't know the bye week for Arkansas, like they used it to get healthy and now they seem like as a hundred percent as they could get. Like we haven't heard of any 
first or second string injuries this week. And from what I was told this morning, they're looking pretty good um, with COVID tests this week, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but it sounds like, you know, the, the bye week not really that much of a difference if Arkansas is healthy. Um, you know, they still got the same amount of practice time in. So I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think that plays a big part this week. Yeah, I mean, you, you would wonder if Tennessee's put anything new in. However, knowing who Tennessee's offensive coordinator is, you know, and Jim Chaney, uh, I don't, you know, based on my memory, recollection of him when he was at Arkansas in 2013 and 2014, I don't remember him being a particularly super creative guy. I mean, Sam Pittman said this week, you know, he does what he does. He, if, he can turn around, if he can turn around and hand the ball off 75 times, he's going to do it. Uh, so I don't necessarily think they have to really worry about anything that, that Tennessee has you know, done during the bye week special for Arkansas or whatever. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of lining up and being able to stop them. So uh, going to be interesting, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how it, how it plays out, but uh, it does, you know, it, it worries me a little bit that, that Tennessee had the, the open week before playing Arkansas, but it's not going to be a, a super huge advantage by any means. Since we're halfway through the season, we this week uh, decided to go through and, you know, give our position grades. And then we also looked at some predictions that we made ahead of the season um, in terms of our grades. I'm not going to pull it up so we don't have to match exactly what we said on there. But, you know, quarterback, I think we both agreed playing playing pretty good, about as good as you could have expected, knowing all of Felipe's. Uh, various skills. Um, running back, I think I'm a little bit disappointed, but overall still pretty pleased, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say. Like, I, I think you may have given them a B and I gave them a C plus or something like that. I was a little bit harsher just because with getting Rakeem Boyd back, you would think that the running backs would have been a lot better. Now, right. that's not all his fault. I mean, it was Georgia the first week, which is phenomenal defense, and then he got hurt early against Mississippi State. I feel like if he hadn't gotten hurt in that game, uh, we might have be having a different conversation right now, maybe a higher grade, but has not been as good as I maybe have expected coming into the year. Um, wide receiver, um, they got a decent grade, mostly because of – Traylon Burks and Mike Woods. Um, Devion Warren flashed for a bit, but they're not finding him as much now. Um, what have you thought of them? Obviously, Trey Knox has been one of the biggest disappointments so far of the season, I would say. Yeah, Traylon Burks really is carrying that group. But, I mean, he is a, a generational-type talent, in my opinion. I think he's going to be an all-SEC player, if not this year, definitely next year. Uh, just just absolutely phenomenal uh, guys, you know, his teammates, his coaches, Jeremy Pruitt, they, they couldn't get it, say enough good things about him uh, this week. And uh, that, that really has carried them. Trey Knox has been a disappointment. I had kind of worried about that uh, just coming into the year. I think I wrote one of my 10 burning questions on, you know, who would be a sophomore slump kind of candidate. And I thought Trey Knox was, was a possibility there just because, most of his production last year came in the first few games, and then he kind of dropped off. I started to believe a little bit that he would have a big year whenever we talked to him before the season, like during camp, because he talked about how he got hurt early in the year last year and just was never really fully healthy, his hip injury and stuff. 
He felt healthy, felt explosive, felt like he was going to be able to do a lot of stuff after the catch this year. Uh, the problem is he had not have many catches to be able to do much with. Yeah, Pittman said pretty simply, if you want the ball more, you got to get quicker and, and, and get open. And I guess just not enough guys are doing that. Um, tight end. Um, obviously not as pivotal to the offense as, you know, CJ O'Grady was last season, but Hudson Henry has picked it up and Blake Kern is, you know, playing his role. I, I appreciate what those two guys are doing right now. Blake Kern has done more than I could have ever imagined him doing. Uh, he was a, a really solid athlete at a really small school in Arkansas, I believe Lamar high school. Uh, but still, I mean, he was a walk on, he, uh, came in and he was a solid blocker last year. And, and Barry Lunny, I remember telling us, like, he said, you know, Blake can catch, you know, he, he can catch the ball. Uh, we just never saw it. He didn't have any catches before this year. And this year he's, he's made some pretty big catches, critical first downs, had the big catch down near the goal line against Texas A&M. So props to him. And then obviously it's good to see Hudson Henry kind of coming along. Everyone had such high expectations for him just because he is a Henry. Everyone remembers what Hunter did a couple uh, several years back. Uh, not quite that level, but a very solid SEC tight end. Looking at the um, you know rushing numbers, the offensive line has been a disappointment in that aspect. But if you separate the sacks that Felipe Franks has created for himself, they are actually keeping him um, pretty clean. Um, they are giving up pressures. Uh, but as far as sacks are concerned, their numbers are low. I don't think any single lineman has given up more than one. Um, so that's pretty impressive. Um, and they're young, like the three interior guys, all young. Pittman is doing that on purpose. He knows they're not going to be potentially at, like Ty Clary is one of the highest graded offensive players right now, but he's not starting. Um, and I think that's because, you know, Pittman knows he has two, three, four more years with these guys, and he wants to make them uh, the best linemen in the country, so he's going to play them more, and I, I respect it. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely Sam Pittman's kind of strategy. I would like to see Ty Clary a little bit more, in my opinion. I mean, he's a Fayetteville kid, started for several years, uh, ultimate team guy, uh, so I would like to see him a little bit more, but yeah, those young guys, they've They've had their struggles. The offensive line probably is, is disappointing to most fans because I think everyone thought Sam Pittman would come in and work, you know, wonders and stuff, but he's not a miracle worker. He can only do so much. Uh, so, yeah, I think that kind of led to, I think maybe both of us gave them a, a C or something like that in our grades just because it hasn't been quite as good as maybe we expected them to be. The defensive line, um, Jonathan Marshall is one of the top pressure creators in the sec according to pro football focus um but their sack numbers are not very high um so i think we gave them like you know a, a b or b minus or something like that i mean to be honest with three guys down there most of the time it's it seems appropriate that you know they're they're getting pressure but you know not getting the home run yeah i mean take out the texas a&m game because that was against probably the best offensive line they'll face all year uh, maybe Alabama's better, but uh, that the defensive line has been okay. And it has been great. Jonathan Marshall has been phenomenal. I mean, that's a guy that, uh, you know, I don't get too many predictions right, but I predicted him to have a breakout year this year, and, and he has proven me right. I mean, the strongest guy on the team, 
uh, consistently putting pressure on the quarterback. Doesn't show up in the box scores because he doesn't necessarily you know, get a bunch of sacks. I think he might have one, one and a half, something like that. Uh, but, man, he is constantly pushing the guy back, you know, the center, the guard, whoever's trying to block him, pushing him back into the backfield and, and getting uh, forcing the quarterback to, to move around a little bit. So props to Jonathan Marshall for really kind of carrying that unit. Linebacker, that is the group that for both of us has been the most impressive. Um, not necessarily because, you know, they're just killing it. I mean, they're doing their job with not that much talent, not that much depth. Uh, we thought it would be a weakness. Turns out, you know, they're playing pretty great. Yeah, talk about a surprise. I mean, I thought we all felt like Bumper Pool would, would be solid. I mean, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school going into his third year as a starter, I think, or I don't know if he started a bunch as a freshman, but definitely started last year. Uh, didn't know what to expect out of Grant Morgan. I, I, I even wrote this, so you, know, you can never doubt a Morgan because those guys are just overachievers. His brother was an overachiever as a receiver, uh, and I was like, don't doubt a Morgan. But what, what do I do? I doubt Grant Morgan, and he just goes out there and proves everybody wrong playing with one arm. So a uh, really good job. And even, even Hayden Henry has, has stepped up and, and played some valuable snaps back there. Yeah. And that's with, you know, having the disappointment of Levi Draper, who you brought in hoping he could contribute, not even be able to practice because he had a shoulder surgery. So yeah, very, very good job. Um, safeties and corners. I think we graded them separately, but both, both groups, doing a very solid job, very, very solid and light years better than last season in terms of big plays, which is really, um, you know, you can, you can give up a bunch of little plays, but when you're creating turnovers, that's just uh, the most you can ask for. Yeah. I mean, this is a group that I think it may have been the only a that I gave out uh, for both the corners and the, the safeties it's a group that we thought was going to be a lot better with a lot of potential just because of the pieces they brought in, the pieces that they already had that were maybe a little bit young and we hadn't seen much of. And, you know, it's come to be true, but not necessarily with the guys we expected. I mean, who would have seen Hudson Clark not only playing, but starting and coming down with three interceptions against Ole Miss? No one saw that coming. Uh, so that that was uh, an interesting turn of events and you know to see you know you don't have Jarquez McClellan you know being a starter he opted out before the season you don't have Jerry Jacobs who's now since opted out you thought he was going to be a significant contributor you've got all these other guys that have, have really stepped up you know Simeon Blair has he didn't have a great game against uh, Texas A&M but you know he's played solid for a former walk-on Joe Fouché seems to be improved Jalen Catalan is as good as I expected him to be uh, Greg Brooks has shown a lot of improvement from struggling as a true freshman. So just as a, as a whole, that, that secondary uh, has kind of lived up to the expectations, just not necessarily exactly how we thought they would. And then finally, special teams. I think we both, did we both give him an F? Maybe I was nice and gave him a D minus, but I think either way, just utter, utter failure. Yeah, you know, I was actually looking at the, you know, Tom Murphy, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette did a, a great thing, kind of like we did this week. And uh, he, the only difference that we had in terms of letter grades was on special teams. He gave him a D. I gave him an F. I think you may have given him a D as well. But uh, if I could have given them lower than an F, I, I probably would have. It's been a massive 
disappointment back there. I mean, just kickoffs out of bounds, uh, punter. You haven't been able to find a punter. You've used three of them. I mean, it's almost like the quarterback situation last year. Uh, you haven't gotten any returns. You haven't. You've given up a fake punt uh, that was really kind of you know on the the alignment there. You had two deep returners, and it was an obvious fake situation against Ole Miss. You have had penalties on on special teams. You know misalignments. Just total. I mean, from top to bottom, just an absolute disappointment and to say that this is the first time Arkansas ever had a an assistant coach full-time assistant coach completely dedicated to special teams uh, I, I couldn't give them anything better than an F not to mention both players that they brought in on special teams on scholarship just you know not exactly living up to expectations I think George Carrington the the punter hasn't even participated the last two games um, and he was the one that had the two blocked punts. Um, and, and he then, also boxed and then, the hold on the PAT that, that yeah. ultimately cost them the game against Auburn. I mean, we and it was about Scott Fountain's decision to yeah. have him holding kicks, and he's never done that before. When they had a returning holder in Jack Lindsay who had never had any issues, like what, and he's a senior, like you, you literally just brought in a guy and said, Oh, sorry, Jack, <laughs> you, you can't hold anymore, and then it ends up costing him a game. Just I don't know. It just it left a bad taste in my mouth. And then AJ Reed. Um, I mean, I know that forty-eight and 40, 49 yards is quite a distance, but that is exactly what you're here to do. That is why you have a scholarship. I hate to say it. I don't. I like it's mean, but that's that's why you're here. It's the SEC. And the first one. The first one he missed against A and M was. Bad, like it had no chance. I mean, as soon as he left his foot, I was and like, "Oh, that was awful." Overcorrected on the next one, and it went the uh, other way. I mean, at least the second one looked like it was decent. Like, I mean, it missed, obviously, so it's not great, but it looked okay. Uh, you would expect. I mean, those are longer distances, as you mentioned. You would at least expect to make one of those two. Yeah, um, we also had a transfer portal announcement this week the first one of the 2020 football season. Um, can't say I'm that surprised, to be honest. Um, Amante Spivey, running back out of Alabama from the 2019 class, um, signed for Jeff Trailer, the former running backs coach here. Um, and I just don't think he was ever particularly happy here at Arkansas. Um, he leaves with what? How many snaps did he play? I don't know how many snaps, but he only carried the ball like 11 times in his two years here. So Yeah, and he had a fumble on one of those. Yeah, and that's where that's where I think it was the fumble that gave him a lot of his yards just because of the way it officially goes down in the, the stat sheet. But, ah. yeah. Well, okay, so um, not a huge loss because he was the fourth string apparently. Um, and Sam Pittman called it a mutual agreement, which, you know, coaches don't always say. So I think like – saying that specifically says that you know you know we were we were okay with this I don't know what went down but it signals that they're not um you know too upset by the decision it leaves um obviously this season you have Rakeem Boyd and Traylon Smith and they're pretty much set and if you need a third guy you have Dominic Johnson who is already the third string um, but you lost Josh Oglesby who was looking like the third string guy um, before the season had turf toe 
Um, we thought maybe, oh, he won't return because, you know, he's a track guy. He's here for track. But now that he's on scholarship, they gave it to him before he's ever played a game. Um, <laughs> now that well, he's he, had on... to, he had to be on scholarship true. because he was on track scholarship. That's and if true. you're one of those two sport guys, you, you, you go on football. Yeah, so that's true. Um, so Pittman said, yeah, we hope he comes back because he's on scholarship. Um, and he will, as far as we know. He retweeted your story. So that to us is a tip of the hat to, yes, I want to continue to try to play football. Um, good for him. Um, and so next season you'll have Traylon Smith, who has shown he can carry the duties of the number one running back, in my opinion. Um, you definitely want to have another guy with him, obviously, who can do a decent amount of work. Um, so it could be Oglesby, could be Dominic Johnson from Texas, and he's a 2020 signee. Or you have two Oklahoma running backs coming in um, in the 2021 class. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm like so in between all these now. Um, so you have uh, JV on Hunt and AJ Green. Both are three stars, but both have a lot of talent. And I think with those numbers, especially with Oglesby deciding he'll he'll come play again, um, I think those numbers are going to be totally fine. And I don't think that uh, with all the other areas you could worry about, you know, in the transfer portal or something, I think that's not really high up on the priority list. Yeah, it sounds like they're going to be okay. Uh, I am worried a little bit, you know, the rest of this season, only having three scholarship guys and knowing Rakeem Boyd is somewhat injury prone. Uh, you hope he stays healthy. Uh, but, yeah, it, I think they're going to be okay the rest of the year. And then, obviously, you, you hope that at least one of those two uh, freshmen turns out to be pretty okay. And then there's another uh, signee uh, that, that's coming in that could potentially play running back as well. Yeah, Raheem Sanders from down in Florida. Very talented guy. Like, when people are saying you could play wide receiver, running back, or or linebacker, or maybe even safety, who knows? Like, that's when you know you have a very talented player because that's what people say about guys like Traylon Burks. Um, so because we finally finalized the 85 scholarships for this season, we were able to finally create our projected scholarship distribution for next year. I mean, it turns out with the 19 commits right now and Spivey leaving and Jerry Jacobs deciding that he's going to declare for the NFL draft, who knows, that might change. The Hogs are actually right now at 85 scholarships. Um, that's going to change. You have guys like Shamar Nash, who's opted out, uh, Chaboise Nuana, who opted out. Um, those are two guys I would maybe look um, for – transfer news potentially after the season um, Jordan Curtis as well Jordan Curtis um, yeah so any guy that opts out um, they might be looking to transfer at the end of this at the end of the season or at any point um, maybe at the mid mid point um, and so any of those guys opens another spot in the 2021 class up to four more additions and then after that you start heading into Chad Moore's territory where you have to start giving away scholarships um, because you need to reach the 85. And that's fine. There, there might be a couple, but I've already included Hudson Clark in there. So, you know, giving him his projected scholarship and all that, you can go check that out on Hogbeat. Um, before we wrap up, what's your prediction for this weekend? Hutch, Hogs, Bulls, 630, SEC Network. I think I've got the Hogs winning this game I just I don't know I, I just like the matchup I like that it's at home 
Uh, obviously, you would have liked to see them play a little bit better against Texas A&M last week, even though the final score ended up being relatively close. Um, I, I just still think that the, the programs are kind of moving in opposite directions, in my opinion. So I like the Hogs, probably close, you know, one-score game. Could be another, as I mentioned earlier, a classic Arkansas-Tennessee matchup. This, yeah, this game to me, it feels like, you know, if you're an Arkansas fan or a Tennessee fan or a writer who covers Arkansas or Tennessee, you're probably more inclined to lean towards your side just because you're more familiar with them. Uh, We know Arkansas at this point this season, like they're very full of fight, um, full of passion and all that stuff. And so we're, I think we're inclined to pick Arkansas to pull this one out unless you're still having PTSD, um, very possible. But I don't think people from either side would be surprised if either team won. It's that close, um, as we can see from Vegas. Um, I don't know what I'll put in my SEC bets week this piece, but check it out tomorrow morning uh, before SEC starts kicking off at 11 a.m. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Hogbeat Hour. I'm Nikki Chavanel here with Andrew Hutchinson. Catch us next week.